What's up and welcome back to Kind of Funny's Pixar in Review. That's right. We are ranking and reviewing every Pixar movie. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by the producer slash seducer, Nick Scarpino. Hello, a bug's life. Ahoy. The Nitro Rifle, Andy <laughs> Cortez. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> the big dog, Kevin Coelho. Ahoy, hoy. Welcome to a bug's life. <laughs> hey, it's it a bug's life. Christmas in March, Joey Noel. No, time's just flying, guys. Flying Was her by, mic guys. Yeah, the mic had little issues there, but I think I think we're good now. I'm hearing you. I okay. can imagine Nick, like, being the person who works the amusement park thing for Bugs Life. Oh, yeah, Bugs Life. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, this is Kind of Funny's In Review series, where each week we rank and review two different franchises. Uh, this week, we're going to end the week out with the return to the MCU in review, where it all started with WandaVision, where we will be ranking and reviewing that alongside the rest of Marvel Studios products. Uh, but this is the beginning, in some ways, continuation and others of Pixar in review years ago when Toy Story 4 came out we did Toy Story in review so we have already ranked and reviewed Toy Story 1 2 3 and 4 Small so marking. we're starting here with Bugs Life going I back have in any there. vote on that this seems like this seems broken I'm just saying that uh, we're, either so uh we're going to be adding these into that as we go on and what makes this franchise in review different than the others is that since pixar is so long and ongoing and there's so many of them we're going to use this to kind of fill in gaps as we go on so it won't necessarily be week to week that'll always be the goal but with the things upcoming like godzilla vs kong and mortal kombat we are going to properly lead into those so be patient we're going to be here for the nice little light fair in between all of the hardcore action of those titans fighting and fatality each other but without further ado let's get into it you could watch this show on youtube.com slash kind of funny or you could watch it on roosterteeth.com if you want to listen to it just search for kind of funny reviews and we will be right there for you to listen to if you want to get the show ad free you got to go to patreon.com slash kind of funny just like our patreon producers the nanobiologist and sven mikhail did and speaking of the nanobiologist Similar to Lord of the Rings in review, where we had a whole bunch of fun facts brought to you by the Keeper of Facts, Kebabs. Uh, Nanobiologist is going to be doing a segment on this show where he gets into the Pixar theory of oh, how fun. all these movies fit into each mm. other. He also gave oh, me some fun really facts cool. to go off. So shout out to him. Follow him at the Nanobiologist on Twitter. Great dude. Uh, but today we're brought to you by MeUndies. I'll talk to you about that later. For now, let's talk about A Bug's Life with a runtime of one hour. 35 minutes released on November 20th, 1998, uh, directed by John Lasseter, uh, American film director, producer, screenwriter, animator, voice actor, and head of animation at Skydance Animation. He was formerly the chief creative officer of Pixar at Walt Disney Animation Studios and Disney Toon Studios, as well as the principal creative advisor for Walt Disney Imagineering. In November 2017, Lasseter took a six-month sabbatical from Pixar and Disney Animation after acknowledging what he called, quote, missteps in his behavior with employees. According to various news outlets, Lasseter had a history of alleged sexual misconduct towards employees uh, and then in June 2018 Disney announced that he would be leaving the company at the end of the year when his contract expired uh, he's not the only problematic person as Kevin Spacey had his voice <laughs> acting debut in this movie as Hopper oh really uh, that was his first one first voice acting yeah. wow uh, music in this one by Nick uh, Randy Newman 
Randy Newman coming oh, in Newman. to kill the game. It's the bug life. Bug Why life. Why did they This one had a budget. This. Yeah, Andy, great. you do it better. It's Andy, great. give me a little Randy Newman. Give, give me a little Andy, Andy Newman, Newman right now. Give me I, some I, was, Andy I was gonna save Andy it for Newman. the for the plot song. Yeah. <laughs> no, we okay, do it now. We'll save it. No, we gotta too. save it. We'll save it for the plot. This one it's had a not budget. Very, it's not long. But, uh, spoilers, it's not a long song. <laughs> <laughs> this one had a hundred twenty million dollar budget and a box office of three hundred and sixty three million dollars, grossing almost double the amount of rival production Ants with a Z. That also came out in 1998. And I have some fun facts for you about this. This one comes from the nanobiologist. In 1994, there was a death of Disney's number two man, Frank Wells, due to a helicopter engine failure. This created a power vacuum at Disney in Hollywood, which led them, to, which led then Disney CEO and chairman Michael Eisner to fire the studio chief, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Katzenberg is the person who is mostly responsible for the giant Disney stock boom in the 90s and basically saving the company. Out of this fallout, Katzenberg partnered with David Geffen and Steven Spielberg to found DreamWorks, uh, along with Katzenberg winning over $200 million from Disney thanks to Eisner's pettiness and reliance on some other people. Uh, DreamWorks then acquired Pacific Data Images, PDI, to help rival Disney while they were making The Prince of Egypt. Thus, the rivalry between the two companies formed. Ants was made from the same pitch as well as through good faith discussions between Lasseter and Katzenberg in the early to mid-90s that led to the divide even further after DreamWorks PDI announced Ants as a competitor to the not-so-well-kept secret of Bugs Life. The feud was so heated that Katzenberg even moved the release date of Ants up by several months from early 1999 to October 98 to compete with The Bug's Life and paid incentives to get people to get ants ready before A Bug's Life, even with the year's head start Pixar had. Damn. <laughs> and it's crazy to think about all that and then to think where we end up of, well, then Disney buys Pixar. So kind of doesn't even fucking matter. Shots fired. DreamWorks shots PDI fine, goes belly up and closes down. Uh, for awards, this one won a Grammy for Best Instrumental Composition by Randy Newman. It was also nominated for the Academy Award for Best Original Music or Comedy Score. The film's theatrical and video release include Jerry's Game, an Academy Award-winning Pixar short made in 1997, a year before this film was released. Hmm. Joey Noel, what did you think yes. about A Bug's Life? <clears throat> I haven't seen this movie in a very long time. I feel like this isn't one of the ones that I go back and rewatch. And I don't know why, because I really enjoyed it. I was not expecting such a stellar cast for going back this far. I guess I don't know why, because Toy Story has a great cast as well. Um, and I didn't realize how much the music for this is so like integral to my love of going to Disneyland and Disney California Adventure. I feel like it's one of the key ones that plays all the time, but I could I knew that it was a Pixar like theme soundtrack song but i never knew it was from but as i was watching this movie and uh going through it i was like oh my gosh all these are bringing back such like integral memories of when i used to live in southern california we used to go to california adventure when we had passes and stuff like that um i think it's a fun movie all of the side characters are fun there was a point in the middle of it when they were going through some of the shenanigans where i was like this kind of feels like a kid's Disney, like Fast and Furious movie with all of these Damn. characters having their own little roles and stuff like that. And it's just like this family, um, <laughs> the like circus creatures. But I really liked it. I was surprised. It, I was at my parents' house this weekend and I was watching part of it with my mom. And I was asking her, I was like, did we like see this in theaters? Like, I don't really have any memories of that. She's like, oh my gosh, yes. Like, I feel like this is one that you like loved because you love the little flying ant girl with the crown. I was Dot. like, oh. Yeah, she's cute. Dot, exactly. I was like, I can't remember any names. A factory um, there, Joey. Ashley Tisdale uh -huh. tried out for the part of Dot 
And she didn't Ooh. get it, but she did make it Sad. in as the lead blueberry scout. Oh, <laughs> do you know who did the did so we already say who did the voice of Dot? It, I blanked. So who was it? It's it's Hayden Panettiere. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Amazing. Yeah. She had such a like a big presence in my life growing up. I feel like between this and I loved Remember the Titans. So. Yeah. I mean, that was, was like, that oh, was the jam back in the day. She was, yeah. She, she crushed it as a child actor and actually did a lot of good work uh, later in life as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick, what do you think of Bugs Life? Um, this one's always one of those ones that I, I I just I remember seeing and didn't really resonate with me. I think it was uh, very entertaining this time around, and obviously knowing a little bit more about sort of the Western genre and how they integrated that into here, which is uh, which is really cool, and you know both thematically and and just uh, as far as like the music and stuff. And I'm just a sucker for Dave Foley as well. I just wish I I, I know he's. Everyone loves him, but I wish he was more popular because I think he's super talented. The cast across the board is just – it's a great cast. And, you know, for Christ's sake, it's got Madeline Kahn in it, which I had no idea when I was a kid. But that just – she has a special place in my heart too because of Clue because I think she's uh, one of the funniest human beings on the planet. Um, it's she's good. It's, so it's, good. It's, it's, it's not – to me, it is though a little bit um, Pixar 1.0 where I just – I don't think they've quite developed – the the it amazingly <laughs> deep yeah the amazingly deep style that they that we kind of know them for today like they've really elevated the game but it's cool to see where their roots are and it's cool to see them kind of nail that like really simple kind of classic storytelling in 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 a bug's life andy what'd you think uh, i enjoyed it quite a bit uh, as somebody who didn't really know anything about dave foley aside from like you know i know that he was on kids in the hall i just don't remember much about that era at all i kept on thinking who is is this is this uh what's his face um um chris farley's friend no david spade no <laughs> david definitely spade. not <laughs> very different is this uh is this david spade because it has sort of sort of that sort of that vibe and i feel like he was i thought at this era because we we just came from tom hanks um being in in toy story and kind of being that lead role i thought that we were going to have another big star here, and I kind of just forgot who the hell the cast was in this movie. It's been a long time since I've seen this movie, and it's kind of wild that I still remember all the beats and know all the jokes because I think they were just overplayed on you know VHS back in the day. Uh, really simple story, kind of. It's you know um, not, not a whole lot of complicated things happening here, and I think it works out really well. It's funny what it needs to be. And uh, kind of punches you in the gut when when it needs to, and it's also a little freaky. Um, I remember having the 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 image of the grasshoppers walking out of the fog was which just predates burned, episode one, which Bert was so burned into my brain. And then yeah, when the Gungans do it in episode one, I was like, oh my god, this is like the bugs last shot. And so that <laughs> I don't know why that that shot always just sort of stuck with me as a kid. Um, me too, though. That's funny. Good movie. Good movie. Enjoyed it. I think it's um, very very serviceable, and it reminds me of Marvel. How even the most basic of movies are still fun and and enjoyable. Kev, what'd you think? The cast is wild. Like it, looking it's down, wild. There, who who was dim? And then it's like I look it up. It's like Brad Garrett, and it's like Brad Garrett. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that makes total <laughs> yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, Julia Louis Dreyfus yeah. as the yeah. as the princess as yeah. well. I mean, she but does then, a great job. I in feel it. like Dave Fo- Fo- Phyllis uh, Diller is the queen. Foley, Come on. Foley is it's just the one the one name where it's like they went with him. Like I've always known well, him as like a, a random side character and stuff. 
looking it up, I think he was on news radio at the time as well. So that yeah. was kind of a popular show, but that's, and that's my touchstone to him, but he, I don't remember it being like groundbreakingly super popular. He also apparently in the South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut movie played the Baldwin brothers. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. It's a weird fantastic. little fact. Uh, I, I enjoy this movie a lot. Uh, I, I mean, it's Kevin Spacey's so good in, as the villain and, it's just one of those things that, uh, like, now it kind of, like, sucks to watch that and be like, oh, he's so good, but he's a terrible human being, you know? Um, yeah. Also, I, and this is going to be controversial, I think, but I was always more of an ants person. I just like ants more, and I'm not sure. I will say I yeah. agree. I think it's just the exposure. I think I saw ants first, and to Tim's, like, earlier point, I was – Probably, I mean, I, I don't know, I was 18 when this movie came out, but still stupid as shit. And I was like, whatever came out first, that's the one I'm rooting for. So I probably saw Ants first and was like, fuck a bug's life. The that's just a cheap ripoff. Yeah, that's a ripoff. <laughs> Ants was also more adult, if Come I'm on, had, it had, correctly. Yeah, it was. And it had J-Lo yeah, in it, it. And it had Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. So Good, what's man. interesting is I was reading a lot of trivia about the whole Ants versus Bugs Life thing. And like the core premise of both movies, like you can boil it down to make them sound identical. But mm. the difference is A Bugs Life is much more of an adaptation of like the Seven Samurai type story. Whereas Ants was a bit more like the Seven Samurai with like slackstick, slackstick comedy gags and things. Whereas the Ants was a little bit more piffy with the dialogue and it was more mm. kind of like a, adult focused in the way that it was more about what's being said as opposed to what's being shown well i also liked ants because i think the 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 main theme that it explored was like not being stuck to the class that society wants you to be stuck in right like he was a worker ant and sylvester right. stallone was like a soldier ant or whatever and they ended right. up trading places which i thought was kind of a fun sort of fish out of the water story again i maybe have seen ants twice and this is probably my second time yeah, seeing I mean, bugs life it, though, so that's... it's one of those yeah but it's one of those definitely like oh man i don't know why i have allegiance to either of these films or one more I mean, or ants, the other, it's, it's funny because like uh, uh bugs life is very seven summarized in the beginning, but it deviates mm -hmm. through the end because in Seven Samurais they actually find samurai, right? Yeah, they well they bring yeah. warriors in to right. actually defend the village, right? This to me is a little bit more like Pale Rider, where the Pale Rider comes in and teaches the village how to trick everyone. You know, all the brag, uh, all the sorry, I see if Brigans, not Brigans, uh, all the gang of like Western bad guys. And so me like this, obviously the music wise, they, they wanted you to think like Western as well. And I think, mm -hmm. and then obviously there's like a biker gang aspect of it too. It's like, let's ride, no, which, uh, you know, and you say what you, you will about Kevin Spacey as a, as a garbage human being, but he did a really good job voice acting wise in this. Do you think it was this movie where they're like, John Ratzenberger, let's start a legacy right here. Because <laughs> like, you know, obviously he's PT, the, the flea or whatever. Yeah, and he's phenomenal <laughs> as PT. He but really like, is. at what point did they decide it was going to be a thing? I mean, that John Ratzenberger was going to be in every movie. Must yeah, well, Toy, Toy Story. Story, he came back as the he was one of the he main was, characters, though, or one of the, the side ham. characters. Yeah, right. Yeah, but like, at what point did like you know they cast him again for Bugs Life? At what point did they say, you know what, we got to have Ratzenberger in every movie? This is just like the it must have been after a Bugs Life. It has to be. It has to be Monsters Inc. Yeah, where it's like, oh, we need one more person. Let's get John God, in. Just and then, the guy. John's not doing shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love this movie. It was definitely, it's one of the first memories I have of seeing a movie in theaters. Uh, and I remember seeing it, like, I think twice in theaters. And uh, it, I just loved the cast so much. And to this day, I still do. I do think it's, you guys are right. It's a lot simpler than 
where we end up with Pixar. But one of the most interesting things about Pixar is every movie, they try to do something that's technologically advancing where they're at with animation and all that stuff. And with Bugs Life, their big thing was making sure that they're not using humans, they're using bugs and to make sure that they have a bunch of different points of articulation or whatever, and that no ant looks identical. So no matter how many ants there are, like they used a bunch of algorithms and stuff to make sure that they all were at least a little unique. And cool. things like that are just so Fact cool. It's like you can tell, they're like, we had the story for this. We have the tech advancement for this. How do we make this work into something that's actually going to, you know, be a viable product? And and seeing this, I'm like, I like how simple they kept it because it was straightforward and to the point, and it allowed us to actually like the characters and see them interact with each other. And, you know, you kind of, like, are cheering for them at the end. There's not, like, the tear-jerking moments that we kind of now expect from Pixar, but mm-hmm. I don't think everyone needs to have that. Um, and I, I very much enjoyed this, watching it, in 2021 because it feels so quaint visually like this was so state-of-the-art back then but it's so empty and it's so just kind of like oh yeah there's literally a moment where the background is just a gradient of beige in one of the shots because they just they were like we we need to put some fog back there we can't render this whole thing um but i'll say though tim to your point it's the movie is just is is very well made and it's very well structured um and Yes, visually, it's not as stunning as we are used to now, but what they lack in that, I really do feel like they make up in creativity. Um, And I haven't seen this movie in so long that it was actually kind of like watching it for the first time. There's a moment where he goes and he's like, I'm heading toward the big city. And then the camera pans upward and it's just a trailer, like this dilapidated trailer with some stairs up to it. But he goes underneath the stairs and it becomes this like major metropolitan city, which – yeah, I just feel like that's where Pixar always shines. Like, regardless of the technology, they're always just super creative and having a lot of fun with just how the how the real world elements of what we know translate over to the insect or the bug world. Yeah, that, that really, sort of really became cool. their strength of what does a city look like to bugs? What does a city look like to monsters? Mm-hmm. What does the role of a receptionist look like in a monster world? What does the role so what what does the look like? To how does a bartender yeah. how does a bartender in a bug world look? You know, they always yeah. have like <laughs> yeah. the versions of those what things. It, like? it is funny watching this movie though, because obviously this is you know, back in the day they didn't have all the the great lighting and shading capabilities that they have now. But it's it was funny watching on Disney Plus because of how damn good their streaming service is where it felt like playing an Xbox 360 game, but just kind of remastered in 4K, (laughs) where it looks dated, but it's still sharp as all. Again, let me just repeat. I want every streaming service to be like Disney Plus. It looks so goddamn good. I can't believe it. Why does it Uh, look super digitized and shitty like everybody else? Because they have have good codecs, and they have the good, the 4K, and they play nice with all HDRs. Um, (laughs) Like, I took this screenshot. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, but yeah, he's like, sitting down. He's sitting down, but it, he's nowhere even near that bench. His butt's not even close. <laughs> it's to the like bench. it's not yeah. even close to touching. <laughs> no. And it's like it's things like that throughout the movie that are just like it's they're, it's funny to see where it's just yeah. like I you can look back and totally understand why that happened, but it's yeah. just funny now because the quality of the movie is so high from every perspective, even technically for the time. But watching it now, it's just like especially comparing it to like onward or toy story four where it's just so beautiful yeah, but he can't. there were I, there were some shots, small beginnings man there are some shots here in the beginning moments where the ants are just sort of standing on the graphite or on the not graphite but on the dirt or whatever the and it looks like there are some moments where <laughs> it's kind of hard to say this but the bugs look like they're green screened 
in front like yeah, the they compositing's don't not like exactly they were composited perfect, yeah. onto this ground which and they may have been but it just seems like there was kind of a disconnect and there's still shadows underneath them but it felt like they just were not really in the scene um and i know that's not how animation works but it just kind of looked it was like when we talked about on WandaVision, was that a green screen shot? I had the same sort of reaction here. Mm-hmm. Like, are those bugs green screened? <laughs> like, they don't really look like they were there. So some interesting uh, facts for you before we get into the plot. A Bug's Life was the first home video release to be entirely created using a digital transfer. Every frame of animation was converted from the film's computer data as opposed to the standard analog film to videotape transfer process. This allowed for the film's DVD release to retain its original uh, 235 to 1 widescreen format. Oh. So there you go. There's some of that That's tech cool. stuff. And then uh, going back to nanobiologist here, I will give you some of the, the there's going to be reoccurring Easter eggs throughout a lot of the, the Pixar movies. And then there's the Pixar theory itself. So uh, the Pizza Planet delivery truck has quickly become a staple Easter egg in most Pixar movies. The car makes an appearance parked right in front of the trailer house. John Lasseter even admitted that Pixar thinks that the trailer house shown is the home of the Pizza Planet delivery driver. A113, the room most animators have their first class at California Institute of the Arts, appears in the box as Flick is walking into the big city. Uh, the Luxo ball, the famed ball first shown in the Luxo Jr. short, actually doesn't make an appearance in this one. It's one of the few times they don't they add it to one of the movies. Uh, and then Hidden Mickey, a staple to nearly every Disney movie, is a Hidden Mickey, things that just happen to look like the head of Mickey Mouse. Uh, this one appears during the painting sequence as the scouts pamper and paint Francis. On the left side, the middle school... Ho- Middle, middle Scout holds what looks like actual Mickey ears that you'd wear in the parks. Um, and then to get to the Pixar theory itself. So this is where future spoilers, there's no way to avoid them because there's a lot of mixing a bunch of things. So what we're going to do is just for this bit, I'll read it all and just keep it in mind for when we're watching the other movies. Cool. cool. So the Pixar theory is brought to you by the nanobiologist. There's a recurring theory that every single Pixar movie is connected in some way. A Bug's Life was hard to pin down, but eventually it was revealed when WALL-E came out. Instead of being during modern time in a desert, it's actually way in the future. The tree that is seen a lot is eerily similar to the tree that Jesse was left by in Toy Story 2, as well as the tree that Carl and Ellie hang out by a lot during the intro in Up. But this could just be a coincidence. Same for the Pizza Planet delivery truck and mobile home. Those are just left there as they appear very decrepit. There's several lines that allude to these ants, being very genetically evolved. First, they say that they've been around for quite some time, as well as one ant saying he feels 90 again. Ants only live three months. But living a but living a whole summer and for years means that they have survived a long time and evolved to live much longer than normal ants. Plus, the rocks they stack to build a platform for the grasshopper's food would have taken much more strength than what current ants can lift. Also, there's no mention of humans beyond the trash left behind and that one bug whose wings got plucked. Uh, what if there were very few humans around because they were just returned to Earth, like with Wally? Also, that plant we see planted in Wally, many believe it to be the tree that grows to be the home in a bug's life. Finally, eating these super intelligent bugs leads animals to become hyper intelligent and the dominant species that leads into a later movie. Dot dot dot. So all this stuff bad shit insane and definitely grasping at straws, but it's fun. It's definitely fun. So we're gonna be we're gonna be keeping up with all of that stuff. When the uh, bug said he feels ninety again, ninety hours. I mean they have a different way of telling time. Or ninety days. It's a bug's yeah, life. Like ant life. It is a bug's live. life. Debunk, dude. Debunk. Debunk. Let's get to the plot. <laughs> oh, hold on. So tell us the story. Yeah, Nick, tell us the story. <laughs> and this is where you come in, Nick. I'm sorry. A bug's life, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it was short. <laughs> it was good. It was really good. Oh, I was so into it that I was like, yeah, let's just keep enamored. going, Randy. Take me throughout the world. Uh, I usually pull a quote for this, but I did not. 
didn't do it this time. We'll just start with an ant, then a lot of ants. And somehow these ants, despite having been rendered in 1998, still look better than those found in the kingdom of the crystal skull. Uh, They're all scavenging for nuts and berries to make that cool little packet. I like to get at Starbucks sometimes. A leaf falls in front of one of them. We get a fun bit where he's like, I'm lost. I don't know which way to go. And they have to call in uh, like one of the specialists who's like, no, you're just going to go right around the leaf. He's like, I'm so, it's so cold out here. Uh, The queen, of course, we get introduced to queen, uh, a queen played by Phyllis Diller, who, if you're not familiar with Phyllis Diller, always used to do a bang-up job as a guest star on Scooby-Doo, uh, as herself, <laughs> Phyllis Diller. Uh, she is teaching her daughter, daughter Ada, played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, uh, to run the yearly gathering, but Ada is stressed out by the whole ordeal because it's her first time really taking control. We also get uh, introduced to the younger princess, Dot, uh, who is played by Hayden Pentieri. Uh, as she's flying, a little, she's trying to fly, but her wings don't quite work yet. Uh, then Flick, we get introduced, played by Dave Foley, uses his invention to harvest grain to speed up production. He also knows how to make a telescope, but none of the old people are having any of this. Um, let's see, Dot brings Flick back his telescope and tells him she likes his inventions, but he still feels like he's never going to make a difference. And then Dot sympathizes. She's like, I'm never going to be big enough, and I'm never going to make a difference either. Um I'm not going to be and make a good queen because I'm too small. And then Flick teaches her a fun lesson about a small seed growing into a big tree. Uh, but they don't really use analogies ever because Dot's like, I don't understand what you're talking about. It's a it's a rock. And he's like, just imagine it's a seed. But she's like, it's so a rock. It's a really funny scene. Uh, the alarm yeah, sounds. Kids, Everyone are the worst. Kids are the worst. I know. She is very them. small. She is. Uh, the alarm sounds. Everyone finishes putting food on, on the offering stone and jet back to the ant's hill for protection, except for Flick, who drops off uh, the remainder of his food left in his machine. But when he does so, the machine malfunctions and uh, drops the entire offering off the cliff into this a pond so below. Fuck so yeah. Very dude. stressful. Oh, my uh, God. Having to walk back in there and, like... There's nothing you can do about this. You're nope. you're fucked. <laughs> you just killed the entire colony. Yeah. These grasshoppers are just gonna bite your head off and eat you for food. Uh, of course, they do hear the grasshopper grasshoppers arriving outside first. Uh, and I like how this scene is shot. They're just in the colony, in like you know looking around, and we hear, we hear the impending doom before we see it. Um, seeing no food, of course, the grasshoppers led by Hopper, played by. Um, Damn, now I'm blanking on his name. Kevin Spacey. About Kevin Spacey. Thank you. Break through the ceiling above and threaten the colony. It's super, super creepy. Hopper. It's fucking terrible. It's scary. Now, That's scary. the scene that stuck with me all these years is just stomping through the ceiling. Who here, who here's been on the Bugs Life ride in Disneyland? Which one? Anyone? Wait, the movie? Bugs I think I have. The California Adventure. Like the, the movie theater experience? The like, movie one? Yeah. 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 All right. Have you, Andy? No. Okay, so let me explain to you what the, it's gone, RIP. But in California oh, Adventure, there used right. to be this thing where it was it was like Flick putting on a, a show and like when the did it leave? Was, by the way, real quick, when did it leave? Like two Ooh, years ago, like, they're re- they're replacing it with for the MCU. Hmm, okay. Cool, yeah. But uh, it was the scariest thing in the world because you'd be in there and like you're in, you go underground and it looks like you're in this ant hill and like they would have the grasshoppers and shit, like big physical puppets, like pop out of the ceiling. Like oh, in the oh, scene, shit. and yeah. it was horrifying. But on top of that, they would have like the stink bugs would come in and like put like fart bombs into like the, the yeah, theater, so you like smell candy. them. But then there'd be like these—I forgot what it was—like <laughs> bees or something—and you would hear the bees buzzing around right you, you, and they they everywhere just and then yeah. they had these stingers in your seats that oh, would I poke you that. in the ass. I hate that. <laughs> And it was wow. scary that. shit. And Wait, it was this terrifying? Time, without yeah. fail, it would happen, and then just children crying. 
constantly. Oh, did they? Like, did they immediately? Did they repurpose this from that one alien ride? No, no, that was a different thing. That they only. Because I wrote did that. I did times. that one in Florida. That was, that was in Florida. Florida like, yeah. you felt things like Super crawling scary. on you, or like they had to yeah, close you it felt down. Something it was too scary. Really? Wow. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I watched the uh, the Muppets, the Muppet Show in Muppet Theater, and they had that gag where the, the rats would get let out, and it would blow all the air by your feet, and you're like, "Dude, it freaked nope. me the fuck out." <laughs> I was like, yes, "That was good. You got me, dude. You got me." Uh, back to the plot, of course. Uh, Hopper's there. We get introduced to his brother Molt, who's an idiot too, and I forget that actor's name, but he is just fucking hilarious and everything. I he hate is. him. I hate he's him in. so much. Richard I Kind. So, yeah, I think he's so, so funny. funny. He recently uh, passed away, didn't he? Did he? Oh, that's unfortunate. Because he's, he's um. Wait, um, maybe I'm off. Maybe I'm off. Richard Kind. No, yeah, he's still he alive. Pa- oh, he's still alive. Oh my God! You know what? I just got got. I just got got. I think Charlotte, formerly of Inside Gaming, or somebody, always posts a picture of Richard Kind and like acts like he died. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I got got. I think that's what it was. You just well, got no, no. rich rolled. Yeah, wow. you know why I got got? Uh, because um, he's always on. He is the brother of Super Dave Osborne on Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Super Dave mm-hmm. Osborne passed away. That's but he plays the brother yeah. of that guy. He does. That's God, right. I got got so bad. Oh, uh, <laughs> Hopper, going back to the plot, Hopper tells the ants they still have a few months until the rainy season so they can use that time to gather their food for the grasshoppers. But that, unfortunately, is usually the time they use to gather the food for themselves. Uh, if they can't get all that together before the rainy season, they're doomed. Turns out the grasshoppers are running a little protection scam. If the ants don't pay up, there's no telling what other insects might come in and cause them harm. Hopper threatens uh, Dot, and then, uh, but nobody steps up except for Flick who stands up for her, but backs down when it comes face-to-face with the giant Hopper. Hopper tells them to double the order because of his insolence. Uh, they'll be back when the last leaf falls. Then they ride out like a motorcycle gang, and I got to be honest, it's kind of cool. I just want to be at one point, <laughs> let's ride. Let's and ride. all of us get on yeah. motorcycles. Ride, ride, ride. What a great setup for bad guys, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like This yeah. this is one of the more evil bad guys we, we have in, in these Pixar movies, and I appreciate that. Uh, Flick gets put on trial by the elders, uh, and they sentence him to. At first, they sentence him to one month of digging in the tunnels until they were reminded the last time that happened he collapsed all the tunnels. Uh, and then they ask him just to leave the island. He's like, "I listen, I got a great idea. I'm gonna leave the island, go get help, find some bigger bugs to come there and fight, so we can be rid of Hopper and the other gang forever." And uh, they, of course, okay that plan. And he's super proud of himself at first until you realize, no, they just want to get rid of him, and they think he's probably gonna fail and die out in the uh, desert. And it's kind of sad. Uh, uh, actually, I'm sorry. That's not what they thought. They thought this is going to take him weeks, which is actually kind of a good idea. So they let him go. Uh, Flick leaves and everyone cheers, which he's like, oh, that's cool. It's a sign of encouragement. But they're all just cheering because he is a massive fuck up. <laughs> so good. And he has such a good little reaction. The animator like, yeah. just nailed the like, yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, Dot and some of the younger ants who I believe are in a little club called the Blueberries follow him that's out great. of town and tell him he's probably so going to die. Uh, and then Flick's like, don't worry about it, guys. I got this. Like, well, how are you going to get across that giant gorge? And he uses, of course, (laughs) his ingenuity to pass it. He climbs up to a dandelion, rips off one of the feathers, and takes off uh, into the wind. And it's very triumphant at first until 
he drops too low and slams into one of the rocks below. Uh, and then, of course, we cut over to the Flea Circus, where we are introduced to uh, the full circus led by P.T. Flea, uh, who is John Ratzenberger. Uh, of course, we got Slim, Heimlich, Francis, Rosie, uh, and a bunch of other characters that we'll be introduced here. Uh, we also see shout out to Madeline Kahn, who plays the Gypsy Queen, and uh, Manny, her husband, who is a magician. Uh, Francis, who is played by Dennis Leary. A lot of Dennis Leary in my life lately, guys, because as you yeah. know, we just watched yeah, Devilish Man, and he's in that as well. Uh, he was very popular in the late 80, or late nineties. Apparently, it turns out. Uh, yeah, my friends love that fireman show that he was yeah, on. Yeah, I was gonna say early aughts too, because he was in Rescue Me, which is the fireman. Rescue yeah, Rescue Me. Oh, yeah. That yeah. show went wild. Love that real, show. Yeah, real crazy. Yeah. Uh, of course, he gets into a fight with two of the audience members, two flies in the audience who don't like the show because it is just uh, objectively terrible. Uh, as the gypsy, as Manny and the gypsies are doing a bad magic trick, which uh, which <laughs> which is a fun little callback here. Uh, or excuse me, call forward here because they're using the Chinese Cabinet of Mystery, which is, in fact, just a, a Chinese uh, takeout container. It's great. Which is great. <laughs> Rosie, played by Bonnie Hunt, shout out to Bonnie Hunt, takes the stage oh, to do the flaming. Who it was. Yeah, it was Bonnie Hunt. So, uh, to do the flaming death trick. Um, and then Tuck and Roll come in. And I do remember watching this the first time and laughing every time Tuck and Roll. I, <laughs> something, they're my something favorite. Something doesn't surprise <laughs> me about that. They're so funny. They're that so funny. They're so funny. They're funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because, like, like, it's, <laughs> it's clear that they don't understand anything that's going on. No. They also <laughs> don't care. And they're yeah. constantly having their own little conversations that at the yep. end with the antenna where it's like, <laughs> I love uh, that. For, I love when when um, the the spider is talking to her or whatever, and she's like, "Nope, okay, never mind. Yeah, you don't you don't understand." <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> she's trying to coordinate. They're like, "Nope, it's you don't pointless. understand." I think I'll take it. Uh, yeah, the trick ends up going horribly wrong, and PT gets lit on fire, and everyone wants their money back. So he fires the entire gang. Uh, later that night, Harry, Harry looks into the light and gets oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, there's no character named Harry. No, there is that one moment where it's two flies, one of whom is named Harry, looks yeah. into the light. He's like, Harry, don't go into the light. He gets it. It's so beautiful. As a flick, of course, goes into this big city below uh, the stairs, which is below the mobile home, which I thought was really creative. Um, he spots a bouncer kicking someone out of a bar and heads in to find some tough bugs. Uh, he's a funny, a couple funny moments here that I like where he's like, who ordered the poo-poo platter? And a bunch of, uh, a bunch of uh, bugs or not bugs, excuse me, a flies coming and, and eat it. And then, Hey, I ordered this with no salt was another fun little gag. Cause the slug was now, eating it and started again, flying. You know, we always talk about Pixar movies just being so good for kids and adults. And I think that's in a lot of different ways, but I just got to say as a kid, there was nothing funnier than this fucking movie. Like everything you just said, the poo poo platter, <laughs> the poo -poo platter the, like I, oh, don't go to the light, like all that stuff. Like that is like roll on the floor laugh type shit when you're nine years old. That I'm 41 years old and I forgot <clears> that <throat> Harry don't go into the light and I it got an audible laugh. Out. I was like, that's fucking genius writing. And it's so perfect. Uh, that little right. town city thing was so cool to see him walk into too and see like. I love when he's like, don't be a country bug. Don't be a country bug. And he's like <laughs> trying to like amp himself up to do this big task. But like seeing the little like lightning bug change like the stoplights and stuff like that. All these things and that poor little grasshopper cricket over that lost its wings. It's just like they managed to pull like all these things. It's like, oh, you totally nailed like how a bug would what a bug city would look like and stuff like that. It's I'm, it's funny. I was really impressed looking back on it. I remember being a kid and seeing the the little grasshopper that ha didn't have the wings on the crown, and I was just like, "Wow, it is just like the city." 
<laughs> the amount of like upset homeless people that we see growing up, like in San Francisco, there's a lot, and like it's funny. Like I, now that you're saying that, it's like I remember like legitimately sitting there being like, it's just like the city. Yeah, and Pixar <laughs> knows how this area looks. Yeah. Uh, the troop from the circus, of course, over in the corner, having one final drink to lament the loss of their jobs. But it's cut short when the flies from the audience show up with one of their big friends to start a fight with Francis. Um, and they go, okay, well, we, what are we going to do? We have to do the Robin Hood Act, I think is what they called it, and accidentally end up taking down the entire bar, which Flick doesn't necessarily see per se, but takes to mean that these people are warriors. So he sets about hiring them uh and they're all very happy to accept because again they're out of job uh back at the colony ants are dropping left and right uh double quota is taking a toll on them uh dot spots flick arrival through the telescope which i like i think it's cute that she kept that and, and kept using that and rejoices at his return everyone seems really impressed with the gang and it looks like things are looking up but ada isn't sold uh she says quote we don't fight grasshoppers um we don't but they will is what flick says uh, thinking they're losing the gig, Francis makes a bold proclamation to the entire colony. He says, our troop is guarantee, guarantee, here guarantees a performance like no other. When your grasshopper friends get here, we're going to knock them dead. Uh, yeah, course, I love all the so little good. nods to mm-hmm. acting. Like, yeah. Uh, break a leg. Like, wow, you guys are vicious. Or whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Uh, later that day, the colony... Go ahead, Kev. I was just going to say, again, this is a moment where I have so much anxiety and everything's like, if only they could communicate with each other, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, it's so stressful. This isn't going to end well. Uh, later that day, the colony puts on a kid's show for the warriors, telling them the story of how they think the uh, the impending fight with the grasshoppers is going to go, uh, which includes Heimlich's death. And reality sets in, hey, they don't want us to do a show. They want us to actually fight these things. Uh, Rose tells Flick the truth, and he freaks out. She's like, dude, we can't fight these guys. Uh, He and the troop have it out, and the troop leaves. But Flick begs them to stay until he can come up with a better plan. Uh, He chases them into the bird's nest, and they all run screaming for their lives as the bird actually comes to life and and start chasing chasing after them. Uh, But back in the colony... Dot flies high above on a dandelion trying to catch up with them. The bird catches up and she falls, but Francis catches her. Uh, the queen and her team watch in horror through the telescope, but they can't quite see. So Addy uses flex magnifying glass, excuse me, telescope. Uh, Slim uses Heimlich as a diversion while Rose and Dim <laughs> rescue Francis and Dot uh, and flies them to safety into the rose bushes. I uh, love when Heimlich's get... stuck. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what a goddamn cast because like you just Heimlich himself it's like yeah. sure like tuck and roll they're hilarious but then you also have Heimlich it's like oh motherfuckers this is great <laughs> well and uh what's his name from Frasier is so funny and oh, so David serious Pierce is yeah. slim feels and so Niles in it too He's where it's so just like great. oh you're you are you've nailed that kind of character <laughs> uh when they return the troop is greeted by sounds of applause coming from the colony maybe this gig isn't so bad after all they start thinking to themselves Ada and Flick uh Ada thanks Flick for bringing the troop and confides to him that she doesn't feel confident in doing her job quote she says they're all watching me and then and then Flick finishes her sentence sentence saying waiting for me to screw up so they have something in common mm-hmm. I will will say to stop here i don't think they quite relationship by the end of it i don't i don't think they quite nailed the relationship between ada and flick i feel like it's forced and by the end of it there's some little line of romance that i wish i think if they had made that now that would just be a friendship i think i don't think that they would have forced that need for there to be a romance there but yeah there was like one line of flirtation where he mentioned about you know you're 
it's sort of similar on the lines of like being a sight for sore eyes. He mentioned something about being attracted to her within the first couple of minutes of the movie, but then that's sort of that just goes away yeah. for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, Adam make uh, Adam makes him the official liaison between uh, between the ants and the troop, calling him brave for facing the bird. Quote: Even Hopper is afraid of birds, which gives Flick his great idea. They're going to build a bird that can scare off the grasshoppers. Uh, Adam helps them sell the idea to the colony to help build the bird, and everyone is on board. Of course, they're taking a huge um, a huge risk here because they have to use all the rest of their time to build this thing instead of mining the rest of the food for Hopper and the gang. Super fun scene uh, where they build quick, a bird using a template cut out of the leaf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the plan. What, what are they going to do? They're going to build this bird. Scare them off. Yeah. Yeah, but like, won't they just come back? Like, don't they know yeah, that put the bird back up there if it comes around? back? But like, there's birds everywhere. Be careful. But they yeah. know that they're coming when the last leaf falls, and that means the rain's coming in that. I think is like stops them from coming back from for a sure, long time sure. until spring. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. They also had a line earlier where Molt's like, Hey, you really don't like birds, right? Hopper. And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. So he's like morbidly afraid of these things. So presumably if he knows there's a bird within like a 50 mile radius of a thing, he's just not going there. Although it is nature. So there's birds everywhere, but I digress. No, there's uh, only one more. There's, in the Wally future, there's only one bird. No, there's a bird and he is a <laughs> yeah. terror to anything smaller yeah. than him. Um, Ada helps them. Oh, excuse me. So they, I, I really like this whole process. We get a little montage of how they cut the they cut the bird uh, out of a leaf and then hold it up to the sun and it projects it down onto the ground to make like a bigger template. Really they cool. They so all cool. Sticks yeah. There. And we see him kind of building it. And of course, they build the feathers out of some of the autumn leaves, which make it look more like a bird, which is really cool as well. Um, and then Flick and Ada kind of bond while Francis uh, convalesces because he's been hurt, of course. And this is where he decides that he bonds with the blueberries and starts warming up to the idea of the colony and to the idea of uh, potentially being a parent and taking care of something. Uh, I will say, he- though, that as they're about to build that bird, even as a kid, when they all just lay sticks around the border, my immediate thought was, "That's not. This isn't gonna work. Like, I don't yeah. think <laughs> this is terrible. Idea. <laughs> this is not gonna work. You can't just like. The, there's no structure to this. But then they end up kind of, you know. It, I I love how it's Flick's ingenuity and his sort of, you know, wanting to be more than just these worker ants and seeing technology being sort of a, a savior. I think that's a really cool sort of role for him to play and kind of figuring out a way to engineer this." robotic bird that then acts like a megazord when they're inside of it and they all control it and shit. it's so cool it, again uh, before we move another... on let me tell you about our sponsors this episode is brought to you by me undies i love me undies i've loved me undies since the day i first put them on my body and i haven't been able to stop uh how many times do i need to tell you i'm wearing a me undies shirt right now i'm wearing the lounge pants i'm wearing the socks i'm wearing the undies everywhere on my body has the soft micro modal fabric i can't believe how soft it is i love it so much uh and as long as they keep making new articles of clothing with it i'm going to keep buying them and you can do that too getting 15% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee by going to meundies.com slash morning, uh, and you're going to want to do it. Why wouldn't you? It's 100% satisfaction guarantee, and I guarantee you're going to be satisfied. Every single person I know that has tried these undies has fallen in love with them. Ain't that right, Kevin? I love them. I'm wearing them right now. I got Gia wearing them now. Greg Miller's been wearing them. Andy's wearing them. Everybody kind of funny is wearing these because they are fantastic. Whether you like classic colors, just a black or a white or a gray, or if you want to get crazy, go bold, go adventurous. They got the options for you. Ton of fun things. Uh, Right now, I have 
some little foxes on me. Little foxes on a nice little light blue. And you too could do that. Get 50% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee by going to meundies.com slash morning. That's meundies.com slash morning. What's up, Kev? I was just going to say, this is another moment where it's like, how are they keeping it in motion? It doesn't seem to have any sort of engine. It's just swinging, and it continues to swing, and only conveniently slows down because they, you know, unclip it, which I love the unclipping scene. Anyways, we can keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Hopper and his gang are living it up south of the border. Axel and Loco con Molt into pitching Hopper on, on an idea that I've been saying all along. Maybe we shouldn't even bother going back to Ant Island. We're living life out here. We got sun. We got tequila. We got everything we could possibly want, but Hopper can't get past that one ant that stood up to him. And they were like, Hopper, it was just one ant. And then he teaches them a lesson on the power one ant can have to inspire an entire colony. He says, those little ants outnumber us 100 to 1. If they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those puny little ants in line. Uh, they ride out back to the colony as the ants throw one last celebration. For, uh, I know. Keep them all in line. <laughs> well, also, ants walk on a line. Keep those workers Boom. in check. Triple entendre. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. They uh, oh, excuse me. They throw one last celebration before the return of the grasshoppers. Flick tells the troop they can sneak out after the party, but they've all grown too fond of the colony to leave. We're all in this together. Ada is impressed by how the troop. Um, and especially Flick have revitalized the colony. The outer patrols signal the approach of what they think is the grasshoppers, and battle stations are called, but it's not grasshoppers. It's actually P.T. Flea looking for his lost circus performers, and when he shows the colony a uh, drawing of them, they bear an odd resemblance to their warriors, and everyone freaks out. Our entire defending strategy was invented by clowns, uh, but the queen takes control. She says, Hopper is never going to, he's like, listen, Hopper's never going to find out. We're going to hide all this crap. We're not going to use the bird. Everyone just go back to normal, and we'll just get as much food as possible, and hopefully that'll be okay. Uh, of course, Ada and Flick get into it. She calls out Flick for lying, and he goes, I just wanted to make a difference, but guess what? You have made a difference. Everyone's going to get their head bit off yet again. The whole place is dying because of you. Uh, got Flick. Flick and his troop. It is a conflict. <laughs> Flick. Oh, Flick and the troop it. head out. As the final leaf falls, Hopper and his gang ride in hard, but the offering is simply not enough. So they enslave the colony and take the queen hostage. Uh, Dot and the kids escape to the clubhouse. I love this little scene where it's like a little, like a little tiny, like, you know, fledgling of a tree that they've carved out. Um, and then they overhear Hopper's plans from one of his men. After the ants collect all the food, they're going to squash the queen as a nice little reminder never to cross the grasshoppers again. And good Dot little, good little side character right here. Just yeah. like... Pixar always has to fit in the character that is not a main character, probably not even a named character, but they're going to be like a surfer dude, and they're just kind of doofy. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Uh, Dot tells the kids to wait in the clubhouse and makes a run for it. Of course, she's chased by Thumper, who is their sort of ravenous dog-like grasshopper. Uh, Thumper chickens her off a cliff. Was he like a zombie grasshopper? No, I think he was an albino albino grasshopper. Got no? it. Because he like cool. doesn't. He, lucky. he doesn't he, talk or anything, right? Either? No, they like they treated him like an animal. Is the thing where you know that there's that moment where they're preparing that little trick or whatever this little upcoming trick in the circus thing to make the queen disappear, and they're like they walk up to the queen, and he like freaks out. They're like, "Oh, Hopper, get down, get down. It's okay, it's okay." 
And so they treat him like an animal. And I wonder if he just, I don't know. It, I have no idea what the hell is up with this goddamn monster, but he scared the shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> yeah. Like when he growled, oh my God, it freaked the hell out yep, of me. me too. I think it's one of those goofy Pluto situations where they kind of play fast and loose with animals <laughs> or humans. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> I what think he's just supposed is? to be this mentally unstable, like, yeah, fucking sure. dude that probably used to be a human at one point, but now he's just like, he's just, just sharpened crazy. his teeth for the last He's just crazy. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, remember, this is according to um, nanobiologists, this is a post apocalyptic future where Mad Max mm. might be happening also. So you yeah. never know who's being <laughs> put Nick on a leash. Nick is just going to make fun of this. Nick is going <laughs> to. I love it. <laughs> uh, of course, Thumper chases Dot off the cliff, and at first you think she's dead, but she's not. She has figured out how to use her fledgling wings to fly away to safety. Uh, catching up with the troop, Dot tells them Hopper's uh, plan, and then Rosie tells them that they should use the bird, but Flick knows his plan won't work because he's lost all faith in himself. And he's like, listen, it's gonna gar- it's guaranteed to fa- fail. Um, and she's like, how do you know? He goes, well, show me one thing I've done right. And then Dim tells him us. You've given all of us purpose. Hell, if it wasn't for you, Francis would never have gotten in touch with his feminine side. And everyone has those like, oh, that's nice. And then Flick isn't sold. So Dot gives him the same speech he gave her using the rock as an analogy uh, for the seed that sprouts into a tree. And then he gets him super fired up. But the rest of the troop doesn't understand it. So they're like, I guess it must be an ant thing, which is going to come back later. <laughs> the way they handle that is so adult like because all she does is give him the rock and say it's a, a rock seat. yeah and like because we know the context like that's a i feel like a big step for uh like what seemingly is is a kid's movie yeah they weren't but also like they weren't there like they weren't there for the no no yeah moment, no right? that's why oh, yeah, that's why like, they're horribly confused i'm saying that the way the way they handled the conversation for like the audience of like they knew that like just they, they had delivered yeah, that line subtext. so many times earlier yeah. and then they contrast it with like showing us the other people watching being like what the hell could that mean <laughs> oh yeah i mean again this is a perfect example of, of pixar being pixar right like this is a great kids movie but that one line kevin to your point had it's all subtext she doesn't recreate the speech for him she doesn't say hey remember that time you told me that you know this was a seed and a seed she just gives him the rock and she's and and we understand because they're such good storytellers what that's supposed to mean they and then really of course are, we get that man. we get that fun moment of comedic beat where the rest of the troops like what the fuck are they talking about and also kids don't worry <laughs> if you don't understand the subtext we'll have like a little fart joke later for you yeah <laughs> don't worry everybody yeah uh <laughs> let's see flick and dot recruit the rest of the blueberries while the circus rolls in the town as a distraction at first hopper wants to squash them until tuck and roll save the day and he's like you know what <laughs> We could use a little bit of entertainment here in Tech. Now that's like, fun. Um, <laughs> at a spot's flick, uh, and the blueberry is climbing up the bird, uh, climbing up to the bird, while down below the circus does their act for Hopper, which includes transforming the queen to safety using the Chinese um, box of mystery. Uh, again, once again, hilarious little callback to earlier, which is the takeout box. Uh, as he does so, of course, the clouds above gather the first, first rain of the season. The launch goes bad of, uh, of the bird as Hopper catches onto the, the charade that the kids. Um, excuse me, the charade below. So the kids improvise using sticks and free the bird. Everyone runs for their life, and the plane seems to work perfectly until P.T. Flea, who was convinced this is a real bird, freaks out uh, and sets the damn thing ablaze. Uh, (laughs) Flick orchestrates an emergency crash landing to save the kids, but Hopper grabs Dot on her way out and demands to know who came up with this bright idea. And then once again, Flick steps out of the rank and stands up to Hopper, 
who beats his ass senseless. This is huge. I mean, what yeah. a big moment, so though. Much. Yeah. But yeah. For, for, for Flick to be like, no, you know what? No, fuck this. And you're wondering at any moment, is he going to back down right here yeah. as Hopper keeps on getting closer and closer? And he just takes a fist to the goddamn cheek and he comes back up and he's like, no, we're bit. And then Hopper turns around the whole the whole colony there is so cool. This is a cool ass moment. Yeah, really I, I wrote these awesome. lines down because he says, let this be a lesson to all you ants. Ideas are dangerous things. You were put on this earth to serve us. And then he says, you're wrong, Hopper. Ants are not meant to serve grasshoppers. I've seen these ants do great things. Year after year, they somehow manage to pick food for themselves and you. So who's the greater species? It's you who need us. We're a lot stronger than you say we are, and you know it, don't you? And as he tries to squash Flick one last time, but Ada comes to his side to stop him. And that bravery, of course, unites the colony when he turns around. He sees the entire colony united in ranks, united in arms, just ready to fucking pounce. <laughs> and he so says, many arms. And Flick, or Ada rather, comes to his side and gives him a new mantra. She says, the ants pick the food, the ants keep the food, and the grasshoppers leave. Uh, then Thumper tries to get all hard and, and, and high, you know, and tries to eat Dot, but she slaps him across the face. Of course, when that doesn't work, Dim comes to her side with a mighty growl and scares Thumper away. Uh, with the tide changing uh, to their favor, the grasshoppers split, leaving Hopper to fend for himself. Of course, they grab him, they load him in one of the cannons, but before they get an opportunity to shoot him out, the clouds open up and rain starts to fall. Man, just when we this. thought we were done. Just when we thought know, we were man. safe, man. I remember being a kid feeling this and being like, oh, no. Like, oh, they had no. it. Like, it was <laughs> over. And then he gets fucking ejected from the rocket. It's like, oh, my God. He has Flick now. How could this possibly wait, turn out good, you know? Did did you not think as a kid, like, wait, why are they going to shoot him out of the rocket thing? Like, he has wings. Like, that's a situation that he no. can totally... Be fine. Oh, no, no, no. Well, I was just like, he's no, just going to come back. No, like when yeah. the rain started, that's when I was like, oh, no, some shit, some shit's about to go down. Well, no, but I was. <laughs> down yeah, but what I was saying is like shooting him in the rocket, like that seems like a bad move. Like pluck his wings, you know? What yeah. I wanted is the crowd to pull him, him Pull him throat. apart. Get him a little. Yeah. I thought they were going to take him down to the anthill. Just, yeah, torture him. Get him a little. <laughs> like, to get answers. <laughs> They're yeah, childhood Kevin answers. was way more what pragmatic answers? about the situation than Wait, I was. They, all the answers, Kevin. Any, all the answers. What answers does he have? <laughs> Tell us. Where's Rachel? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where's Rachel? Where's uh, Rachel? <laughs> Of course, uh, Hopper absconds with Flick, but the troop ain't having that. They chase after him and rip off one of Hopper's antenna. Uh, Ada saves Flick, and a high-speed chase ensues. Uh, Flick gets another idea and faces off against Hopper, who is super, super confident until he gets uh, – he's like, I'm just going to come back. He's like, you haven't done shit. I'm going to get more grasshoppers and come back next season with a vengeance. But with all his bravado, he has failed to notice that he has walked right into a trap. Flick has led him to the edge of the real bird's nest. And the bird ain't wasting no time. He scoops up Hopper very quickly and feeds it, uh, feeds the grasshopper to its little chicks below, who are more than happy to just eat him alive. And and this is also so scary. Extra terrifying. Yeah. So like, not only is this scary for like just what it is, but like this is that that level of CG where it, like it's not Uncanny Valley, but it's definitely something where I'm like these things are fucking terrifying because they don't look like birds. <laughs> yeah. No. But also, that's not how birds uh, eat, right? Is it like the does gotta, the mama bird eat it and then yeah, uh, you gotta but the little when you're a little bird, you take anything that falls in that nest, Kevin. Someone tells Trust me that me. Pixar Review is going to have a lot of science with Kev. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Go through it all. Um, 
with the day saved, PT Flea uh, and his new recruits now, including Molt, head out. But Flick just stays so behind. perfect. I know. He's just like so stoked to be part of the production. Like, He's just happy. I, just I, happy would, I would watch that. I would watch that. Yeah. Uh, but Flick stays behind with Ada, who uh, thanks the troop for giving them back their dignity. And they thank her with a rock. And and then this is the fun callback because they're like must must be a circus thing, <laughs> which is a nice little <laughs> callback. Uh, Flick and the troops say say their goodbyes, and the troop starts a round of applause, which Flick quickly realizes is for him. Uh, Ada kisses him on the cheek, and then is coronated as queen. And then Heimlich turns into a broke ass butterfly. As so the fucking funny, yo! <laughs> earlier, earlier I said when you when I was a little kid, it's like everything they did was funny. Nothing was funnier than I'm a beautiful butterfly. And <laughs> like Andy said, it was in all the trailers and all the things but like i would watch that every disney channel commercial that they would play it on mike super short show whatever the fuck they were doing and i would just be like injected in my veins comedy doesn't get better than that i love to be like from up here you look like ants (laughs) (laughs) they look like ants it's like two feet above the ground (laughs) this always pissed me off i felt like they fucked with us in a way that like always I, I felt cheated. I wanted him to like grow. I wanted him to be a big, beautiful butterfly. But instead, Kevin, we have these gotta, stupid, gotta, tiny so wings. Funny. Furious. Just expectations, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how they got it. I feel like uh, that quote of I'm a beautiful butterfly and then another quote from Finding Nemo are the ones that have like maintained throughout the years of like they're always going to be funny, even, no matter what kind of context somebody throws them in in real life. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a beautiful butterfly reminds me a lot of the did we just become best friends from Step Brothers? <laughs> That's just like, yeah, it, it is just more than the movie. Uh, of course, they all take off in the sky, holding Heimlich so he thinks he can fly as uh, a bunch of the ants use Flick's original harvester to launch fireworks into the sky after them. And then the credits roll, and we get more really weird fake outtakes. And we get Randy Newman, baby. And we get some Randy Newman. And that is not like, Do we not like I the fake outtakes? I never liked the out- fake outtakes because oh, they're I written. I didn't even yeah. watch those. I just think they're bad. But I love I them. I always thought I they were good. Andy I loved them. I loved them as a kid. I loved them as a kid, but I fucking started hating them. I had to go oh, back so to funny. Toy Story Four and review uh, to get the rankings and stuff prepped for this. And Andy was like, "I just skipped randomly." <laughs> Andy was going off, and I was like, "I don't think I've ever heard Andy this negative about anything." I hate it. I hate. Boy it. Boy hates dude. his bloopers, man. I hate the fake <laughs> bloopers. I liked them as a kid. Did I compare them to people on Facebook making fake? Uh, videos and like pretending that they're giving money to homeless people, but really everybody's acting and they're just kind of. Did I compare it to that? Because I, I, I didn't get how they that far. Sometimes. Didn't get Ow. that far into it. I could <laughs> see. I, I do see feel both like being equally as as, mm-hmm. as as horrible. I like them as a kid. I, they, I hate them. Now. I think they're fun. Like, I, uh, I, I, I like. I hate using the word cringe, but they make me cringe. I I want to briefly mm. add. I meant to say this earlier, but I miss like it. It kind of bums me out that when I watch. A Bug's Life on Disney Plus. It doesn't start with the um, the was it Gary's game? Like it would be cool if it did, or at least gave me the option to. Like, I watched it before. Like, yeah, good for you. That's smart. Joey wanted that full experience. Joey watched I did. it. Anyway. I, wasn't, wow. I want the DVD experience. Like just <laughs> pop it in. You want the menu playing over and over on the? Oh my gosh! Song. Yes, a hundred percent. Second loop of the song that doesn't yeah. ever yep. loop correctly. Um, <laughs> Andy, hit me with a little bit of that haiku in review. Seven syllables in the middle. You need five for the first and last line. If you're not poetic, no need to fret it. Haikus don't need to rhyme. Haiku in review. Haiku in review. 
you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny to write your review in haiku form just like zade wilson did the bird plan not great but things ended better than anticipated Ah. <laughs> wow real good wow. real good get wow. his conflict <laughs> Lee Polero says hoppers hopping mad grasshoppers made the ant sad the bird ate the bad he did he did good for you Lee Polero very utilitarian I love that and then finally of course miscellaneous has to do the wait no yep there we go the two miscellaneous were back to back this one for a bug's life seeds roll down the slant offerings awfully scant hard life for an ant Incorrect okay. branding, circus comes in for landing. Misunderstanding. <laughs> Incomplete <laughs> supply, and then Flick's, pain, then Flick's plan goes awry. Now, Hopper must die. Fuck. <laughs> damn. Damn. Miscellaneous is too good. Too damn good. <laughs> uh, and he hit me with some of that ragu. 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 What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Rad Guys Talk Bad Guys. I'm assuming we're just starting the list off here because I cannot remember who the bad oh, guys I, were. I, I slacked you, Nick. Did Ooh, you really? He's got Check it. Oh, yeah. slack. Okay, all right. I, I apologize, everyone. Also, Lopso or whatever. Is Get with the What's program. <laughs> right, I mean, I don't think that's. All right, all right. <laughs> Number that's one. Welcome oh, back no, to Rad. To be fair, for our list, that would be that crazy. Sorry, go for it, Nick. Right now, we've got number breeds. one, Lotza from Toy Story 3. Uh, the Prospector, really? Prospecta slash Al from Toy Story 2. Over uh, Woody and Sid from Toy Story 1. And then Gabby from Toy Story 4. And I said, just I don't remember out. a lot of these, but Gabby was especially creepy. So I think we ranked sad. her too low on the list. Sure. Uh, where she was do creepy, but I don't think she was scary. Uh, Hopper in the gang. At a garage sale. Yeah. This is interesting. So like, I think trying this to place is... them. Go for it, Joe. Oh, I think this is number one. <laughs> I think I... Hopper is so good that for me, this is the one that stuck with me. I think the other Toy Story ones, like the Prospector and the Bear, whose name I butchered. Lots of. Um, yeah, there lots we go. Of hugs. Uh, lots of hugs. There we go. Um, but this is the one that has stuck with me the most. Is I think the performance is 10 out of 10, and I think it was actually terrifying as a child. <laughs> So rank one is Lotso, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I want to put this rank two because I think that they were both performed really great, but <laughs> Lotso sort of being this, similar to the Prospector, kind of being these good characters, right, at first, and really dark shit was happening behind the scenes. I think that adds an extra dimension that I really enjoy, and I think Hopper's just great at being bad the whole time and having these you know these ants not only get the food and when they fuck up says we want double next time like that's so evil and they are prepared to kill them but also smart enough to know that they are outnumbered i think it's so calculated but i think lots of just being this nice benevolent figure in the beginning of the movie and then turning kind of is really really fucked up so i, I will put hopper at number two I'm I'm with you, Andy, but I'd go even number three because I I think that wow. Lata and the Prospector and Al both have a lot more depth than Hopper has. Hopper scary as hell and is probably the most evil and like good at being evil that we'll see in these. Um, and I think does that completely well. But 
there was just that added depth and the kind of layers to the darkness and story and like it's the it's the thanos thing of like mm-hmm. when you can like look at the movie from their perspective and be like all right cool you're i yeah. vibe with this a little more and with hopper you can do that but you're kind of like well you're just an asshole whereas yeah. like and, and especially i would put it as third under prospector and al because i think having those two villains both work as well as they did with the the storyline as a whole they just worked a lot better for me but i do think that uh it's a lot stronger than woody and sid or gabby yeah you're definitely right about the prospector kind of the motivations behind there uh of of what he was really feeling the whole time it's obviously evil on the begin you know on the outset but then kind of hearing his motivations and yeah I i think you're right does anyone disagree that we put hopper at three all right. uh, well, I, Motion I, passes. No, Kevin, Kevin go. Well, no, I, I mean, I was going to say, agree that I think I, I would put Hopper at three, but I do want to put a little asterisk to that, that I don't think that the Bear is as bad. Like, I, I do think the Prospector and Al should be number one, um, just because, like, they're both so fucked up and, like, their their stories are so fleshed out. Hopper, though, I think is the best performance we've seen so far. For the bad guy, but see, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm with uh, I think I'm with everyone on this one too. I think Hopper is a great bad guy, but I think he's like a bad guy, bad guy, bad guy, bad guy 1.0 <laughs> from a very cookie cutter western where you're like this guy's motivations are just to be a bad guy. Uh, whereas I do think there's a lot more dimensions with uh, with Lotsa and the Prospecta slash Al. So Joey, unless you have anything more, unless you want to go on right now no. with a veto vote. No, I mean I can't say anything. I do say that I think the turn of villains does get a little bit samey in pixar because i feel Mm. like that trend is that's definitely a trend of how they handle their villains so Mm. in that case i like that this one is so just like openly a bad guy and manipulative and he like knows that they're outnumbered but he's figured out a way to the game the system that i think makes him a little bit more scary than anything else but i mean they're it's one of those things where it's like they're all so good like good in different ways that Mm. I'm not fighting for this one. Yeah, Hopper like. really does remind me of just, you know, the the ultimate rich corporation dude keeping the workers in line. Like, that is, that's a, a lot, ex, that's a lot creepier, I think, Joe, that you're, you know, the fact that I feel like it's a little bit more relatable of, like, no, if they think they can face us and stand up to us, we can't ever let them think that. And it's mm-hmm. like, it just feels like kind of, real life sometimes and it i think that's really creepy and kevin spacey did a great job also awful person do we have to all right we just have an asterisk at the bottom every time like, <laughs> the whole yeah. fucking time, time yeah. Man, yeah uh all right so the Wait, final rankings quick. are number one lots of from toy story three number two the prospecta and al from toy story two number three hopper from ants i don't know why i wrote that but that's where it's going to be from now on great. woody and sid from toy story one <laughs> number four and yes. gabby from toy story four does there joey have up. veto powers that I don't, we're not aware of. <laughs> I'd like to get everyone's opinion on it, give everyone an opportunity to talk. If, if Joey's made a, a proper argument for it and was like, no, I think they deserve to be number one, and she knocked that out of the park, I would, be, I would veto it myself because none of y'all are. So, do the you list have veto powers? Keeper of the list. I don't have veto power. Who has the veto I don't have veto power? power per se, but you guys probably also won't remember how we ranked these next week. So, I could just fucking jumble this list up. Only Tim will know because he slacked it to me, but if I delete that, he won't know. It's on my talk, but you know. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> it is time to rank the Pixar universe. Kev, can you bring up the beautiful rankings that Andy Cortez made? 
Currently, number one is Toy Story 3. Number two is Toy Story 2. Number three is Toy Story 4. And number four is Toy Story. Where do we rank A Bug's Life? I would kick it off uh, at number five. I, I like this movie, but I don't think it rivals anything that they did prior with Toy Story. I think those movies were more creative. I think they were more character-driven. And I think, you know, you empathize with both the plight of the, you know, especially in Toy Story 1, where kind of Woody is kind of the bad guy in it. Um, I think that's a much more creative use of that. Plus, I think they're just, you know, the idea of how these how they made these characters go from being toys and then transforming the kids' room into being this whole beautiful reality, I think was just amazing. And I don't think, the, I don't think A Bug's Life quite got there. I would agree. I'd go number five as well. I think it's kind of easy to be prisoner of the moment and not remember how good some of the early Toy Story movies were <laughs> um, because I think this movie had a great cast and everybody played their role perfectly. No side character outstayed their welcome or did too much and was too, you know, every once in a while you get one of those side characters like, ah, I could have done with less of that person. But I think everybody here was perfect. And... I I still put it number five because you know why Rex Rex in Toy Story I think is still like the unsung hero <laughs> yeah, of the great. franchise and like every line that Rex says makes me laugh no, and boy. yeah I, I do I do agree Nick I think this uh, I think the earlier Toy Story movies even with Toy Story the original one I think it's just overall a bit more of a creative movie um, and I feel like this movie will rank low by the end of all of the rankings but it's still a very enjoyable movie definitely. Joey, what do you think? This is where it's hard for me in the sense that I, where I have to separate favorite from best because I don't necessarily have like a huge love for the Toy Story movies, which I know is controversial. Um, so, and it's also been a very long time since I've seen one, two, and three. Um, cause I didn't do Toy Story in review with you guys. So it's hard. It, I have to kind of pull back in my memory for that one. But I think that the, <clears throat> I think that the characters have a little bit more depth in uh, character development in Toy Story than they do in this. This does seem a little bit more flat than what I remember those stories being. So I feel like I have to put it at five, even though I think in my favorites list, it, they would rank differently. Okay. Um. <clears throat> I actually agree with you guys. Um, I like, <laughs> I love the Toy Story movies so much, and uh, I, this movie's great. But like, it's funny. Like, my nostalgia is more for uh, Ants, and rewatching it, it was fun. But like, it didn't hit the the highs that uh, the Toy Story movies hit. Doesn't yeah. doesn't do a whole lot extra or special, you know. My nostalgia is definitely with A Bug's Life, and I loved Damn. this movie when it first came out because the the cast was just so great. And just like being a nine year old boy, everything just felt relatable to me. It, it reminded me a lot of watching Aladdin, where I was just like, "This is the one for me." Bug's Life felt that way to me, where I was like, "This is a this is a Tim movie." And uh, all these years later, I still think that uh, this movie's great. The soundtrack is like Joey was talking about; like it is underrated. The instrumentals, I mean, I, and it got an Academy Award, but like. It's underrated to me where I also wouldn't necessarily identify Bugs Life as having a killer soundtrack, but it does. The cast is great. The voice acting is great. The plot is everything it needs to be. And the villain is excellent at just being an evil bad guy. But having said that, there's something so special about all of the Toy Story movies that I think 
put them in a, a league of their own above this. So I also think it's it's number five. Um, but man, I can't wait to keep reviewing these movies because if this is our worst one so far and we're five in, like that's a it's a pretty good sign. I'm There's so stoked to get to Cars Three because I never saw Cars Three. I'm excited. Very excited. I'm very scared uh, of Cars Two. I wanted to put that out <laughs> yes. there. Uh, everyone. Let us know in the comments below what you think about this because our current rankings right now are number one, Toy Story 3, number two, Toy Story 2, number three, Toy Story 4, number four, Toy Story, and number five, A Bug's Life. Uh, Like I said later, we are going to be doing WandaVision in review on Friday, and then next week, we're going to be returning with, give me a second to figure this out. Monsters Monsters Inc. Is it? Hold on. Yeah. Give, him, give him a second, guys. Give him a second to figure second, it out. Second. Take, yes. Take uh, we are going to be doing starting off Godzilla in review and be doing Monsters Inc. It will be the Godzilla vs. Kong universe. So starting with Godzilla 2014. Uh, get hyped. And until then. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>